Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you. But hoy boy, you might I don't know how you spell that, but the, the, those are my short thoughts on uh, what you got here. I, I think, folks, I don't like to make declarations like this very often. Especially when mathematically we are a long way from this being true. But you can pretty much stick a fork in any kind of hopes for the Colorado Rockies to make a surprise postseason run at this point. Now mathematically, again, like I said, things can happen. And there may be the most uh, hopeful among you out there may be shaking your heads saying, Drew, you're the one who's supposed to give us hope sometimes when that's still a possibility. And I've seen wilder things in the game of baseball but right now and for most of the season even when they were playing well I didn't you know break my just over 500 win prediction and say I think now they're they're gonna do a lot better and because you could see a lot of these cracks in the team and they've just gotten worse and worse Everything from losing Tyler Kinley for the year, not having Chris Bryant around for much of the season. Yes, those things are hurting, uh, but even if you have those guys, even once they get Bryant back, there's just too much bad baseball happening too often, to put it as simply as possible. And game one here in Miami really was a microcosm of the entire season, right? So let's dive into this. Three errors, and yet the team scores eight runs on the road and loses. That's the season in a nutshell. When you are kicking away games, when you are losing games on incredibly costly mistakes, despite one element of the team or the other actually working, And it's kind of traded off which one in any given moment, right? There have been times where the bullpen was actually really good. There have been a couple of times where the starting pitching has been really good. And there have been times when the offense has been really good. But it's the whack-a-mole problem. When one of those things is good, the other ones aren't just mediocre or bad. They're they're truly awful and mistake-prone. And so... Here's another thing that I avoid doing, right? The, the grand declarations of the end of the season I try, and <laughs> try to stay away from. And comparisons to football. But I've got to compare it to football a little bit here because, you know, it's, it's oftentimes split up into the conversation of offense, defense, and special teams, right? And while special teams aren't in and of themselves the most important thing, right? If you just keep special teams in check, that should almost kind of be a wash. But they call it an X factor a lot of times, right? (laughs) Any of you of my age uh, remember Dante Hall, the Kansas City Chiefs, and him calling himself the X factor because of his ability to turn these plays, which oftentimes are procedural, right? Kickoffs, punts, things like this. The little things into something big. You you run that back for a touchdown and all of a sudden it's this kind of big momentum shift because it wasn't really something that the, the coaches could game plan for. It's not something you could really do a whole lot about. 
it, it kind of comes out of the blue, right? It's not an X's and O's thing. It's not the execution of your most highly paid players like your quarterbacks and your linebackers and, and whoever it might be on your particular team, right? Whoever your star players is, it's usually not the guy who returns punts. And it's usually not the kicker themselves, right? So when you miss a big field goal, that's another one where it's like, you usually don't spend a lot of time and resources on that element of the game, but sometimes in a big important moment when the special teams don't come through, it is what costs you the game. And you really hope that your special teams don't cost you a season. But special teams have cost the Colorado Rockies the chance at a surprise 2022 season. I could be wrong. They certainly have so far. And it's very similar where defense and base running and, you know, a lot of those little things, anything basically that's not pitching and hitting, anything that isn't pitching and hitting, you could put into the category of special teams in baseball, where if you're just solid, we shouldn't be talking about it that often. Right? Yeah, you're going to make some errors. And yeah, in any individual game, we might break down, gosh, so-and-so made a terrible play. And we, you know, any individual players, you might break it down and say, this guy's got to clean it up defensively. This guy's got to run the bases better. What have you, right? That happens all the time in baseball. But as a team, the Colorado Rockies are doing all of the little things wrong. It's the equivalent of, of a football team that is averaging one kick return or punt return for a touchdown, like a game, maybe a half at this point, right? It's no matter, and no matter what you do, and that's not even to say that they're necessarily doing the equivalent of executing well on offense and defense, right? Pitching and hitting, as I talked about, those have slumped as well. But when you're giving the other team, when you're basically spotting the other team a touchdown a game, Sometimes, literally in this one, they they gave up. I mean, that was truly painful to watch. The catcher's interference is a tough one. It's a rare call. Um, it is a little bit of like the catcher's got to know. There's just it's a it's a bad mistake to make as a catcher, even though it's a, a very rare one and it and it's tough timing and and spacing. Like you still have to, you, you can't do that. And it very likely cost the Rockies five runs. and Because it should have been a double play. And then instead you've got a three-run home run. And then two more come around in the inning. Maybe you can't charge those last two to the catcher's interference. But certainly all five of them come after that big swing play. Right? And then you have the really wonky one with the throw from the outfield and no one's covering the bag and then they get in a rundown to forget about the guy going home and then they can't even the t- tag the guy out at first base anyway so everybody ends up being safe I mean <laughs> again the only thing I can think of is like giving up a yeah touchdown on a kickoff at the beginning actually actually you know what's a good analogy for that particular play sorry to do this to you because if you're a Rockies fan and you're feeling it today and you know hopefully you're also an Avs fan too hang on to that hang on to that stuff because I'm going to make another Broncos analogy it reminds me of the play that began the second half of the Super Bowl from hell against Seattle right remember that one where just hike the ball over the quarterback's head, like play one, and it goes, and it's like a safety or whatever. It's just like, 
that kind of stuff that really shouldn't, it just doesn't even factor into the game plan, right? And you end up coughing up eight runs on, on nonsense, right? It's not that the pitcher threw the ball particularly well. Now, Ryan Feltner could have made some better pitches. I will say the, the, the home run that Avisel Garcia hit, I don't know how he got a hold of that baseball. That was a decent pitch. It was up. It was out of the zone. I mean, it was high, but it's usually when it's up that high, it's tough for a guy to get on top of. And to pull it out, that was just a, a mightily impressive swing. It's just, you know unfortunate from Feltner's standpoint that he was in a position to be able to do that. And look, he's a human being. He's a rookie. When something like that turns around, instead of having nobody on and two outs, you've got three runs on the board and nobody out. Like, that's tough to recover from. And and he wasn't able to, unfortunately. And uh, Buddy ended up having to go get him. And then, you know, poor Chassin ends up running into some of that himself. And so, you know, I really cannot stand the bad defense. And I know we have been spoiled as people that have followed the Colorado Rockies, but this stuff is just absolutely brutal to watch. I've said before, but it bears repeating given these specific circumstances of this specific game that it's not just errors it's the errors that are so costly you can't recover from them and then they kind of did anyway they rallied they tied it at 8-8 and still can't come up with the win and when that kind of thing has become now a pattern a trend a common place occurrence yeah, this was exactly the kind of thing this team could not afford to do. They needed to do all of the little things right in order to make the surprise run. And they're doing all of the little things wrong. The double play, there was another double play that should have been a double play. And Jose Iglesias just kind of haphazardly trying to be too quick, trying to be too cute. He's done that a couple of times this year, and and I know he plays a little fast and loose, and and sometimes that works really well for him, but when the team's really not going well on this type of stuff, you just need to be as as sure-handed as you can possibly be, and he had another one. And again, it leads, it's not just, oh, well, it kept the inning alive, but the pitcher just needed to make a couple more pitches and, and he was able to get out of it. It's all, it's, you know, it, it, these massive, massive mistakes. And in the second two games, you get a little closer to your quote, hashtag the formula, as, as I talk about, right? Getting closer to quality starting out of the pitchers still managing to get some runs you know offense putting up four runs in game two two runs in game three last year's team would have taken this road offense all day every day and they might have snuck into the postseason with this road offense. 
keeping all other things equal. And obviously that's not how baseball teams work. But, you know, if you could take last year's starting pitching and put it onto this team. But that's, again, to the point, less of a for sure thing because of the special teams. Or another analogy might even be in football being turnover prone because it goes, it goes beyond just those plays that are the kickoffs and the punts, right? It's, it's the mistakes are creeping into every element of play. They go to steal some bases, catcher throws the ball into center field or throws it just off the bag or throws to the wrong bag. A lot of stuff that isn't even getting counted as errors. And I know the Rockies have been at or near the the top of the list in terms of errors and unearned runs all season. I heard a remarkable stat on the radio the other day. They said 10% of the runs that the Rockies have given up this year are unearned. And I know that you could probably tack on another 5 or 10, not 5 or 10%, 5 or 10 runs over the course of the season that have been because of mistakes that weren't counted as errors. You know, somebody threw to the wrong bag or, you know, when the ball sometimes we've seen this happen before, like two outfielders will be going to catch the baseball and they'll both pull up thinking the other one's going to catch it and it'll fall between them and it'll go down as a double or whatever. Right. But you're like, that's a defensive mistake or, you know, there are all kinds of things, Uh, you know, the wild pitches, are these big mistakes that are that are adding up? Um, you could even put things like lead off walks and hit batters, and especially given certain timing, into these mistakes. And so, so much of that has just added up to the point that it's stopping the Rockies from even really flirting with being competitive right now. They've fallen back down to 10 games under 500, which, as I said last week, is basically my demarcation point between mediocre and bad. And if you're six or seven games under, you're still hanging around mediocre. You're not excited, but baseball's hard. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but once you're at 10 and, and, and under, you're, you're in bad territory. And you need to start looking again. I'm not going to dive into it right now. About... The trade deadline is about six weeks away. You know, I, I am happy to see that the Rockies are starting to give some opportunities to hear, and I've talked about this. Uh, again, I'll do a more full prospect report for you sometime here in the next couple of days. But it's good to see Montero and Bouchard in there, getting their opportunities uh, to maybe contribute. It's nice to see Montero get a double today. Bouchard still uh, looking for his. You know, his first hit in the big leagues. And there have been little things. If, if you want, you know, the silver linings, Brendan Rodgers seems to have broken out a little bit. I figured he actually would, going back down to Florida. As most of you know, he's from there. He had a great series. Uh, C.J. Crone, not always, but for the most part, continues to be really good. Almost certainly he'll be the Rockies' all-star uh, representative this year. Nice series from Ryan McMahon with some hits and some ribbies and and showing off some pop. And uh, actually a nice little set here from 
Elias Diaz, who desperately, desperately needed one, had a two-hit day today, had a home run uh, in in the first one after I had called him out. <laughs> after I had called out the catcher's position specifically in writing on MileHighSports.com for not providing any power this season. And, you know, that's been another big area of disappointment. Yes, the power of the lineup in general, and that's definitely worth talking about and, and continuing to as we move forward here. But I feel like the catcher spot is particularly disappointing because the Rockies have never had a really good power hitting catcher. They've never had an all-star catcher, as most of you know. They've never had a great homegrown catcher. And it looked like they had an opportunity to sort of put a combination of those things together with Elias Diaz and... Dom Nunez, Nunez being the homegrown guy, Diaz was going to carry the heavy load, but still together they seemed almost destined to hit over 20 home runs this season. But now the catcher position is, you know, sitting there at seven. Uh, you know, it's still possible they get hot and 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 go on in the second half and and do some fun and interesting things. Like I said, Diaz did look better this weekend. And uh, as I sort of alluded to earlier, you know, Chris Bryant is supposed to uh, rejoin the team at some point here during the Minnesota series. And so, yeah, you know, Kyle Freeland and Chad Cool each had decent starts, but the bullpen really not doing them any favors. The defense really not doing them any favors. And unfortunately for Kyle in the final game, uh, where it ended up going down is, of course, the sweep for the fish, the offense not coming through. Uh, again, back to that whack-a-mole problem where when you finally do get a game where your starter can go out there and only give up a pair and, uh, you know, the, the bullpen actually keeps things intact as well, though it was just Colome giving up one late run that does give up the, you know, the win. You, you can't ask the bullpen to be perfect. They haven't scored any runs for them. It's just, you know, you're sitting there going, yeah, I'd, It'd be nice, and he almost got his double play to get out of it too. You know, a couple of C and I singles, and then a ground ball brings in a run. I hate to, I hate to do it for you. You know, the Bud Black is coming on this one. That is baseball. Like that's that's gonna happen sometimes. I can't like jump up and down on Colome for losing the game. You know, the three-two ball game, Freeland and Colome. You know, pitch eight innings and keeping the three runs. Offense has been doing more than that, but of course not on that one. So, yeah, just not their year, folks. But as I was saying earlier, I think there are going to be a lot of interesting things to look forward to over the next couple of weeks, especially if the Rockies do start getting these younger guys more playing time. And if they do uh, trade away some of these veteran players, how aggressive are they going to be with Ezekiel Tovar? You know, at the beginning of the season, I was thinking, you know, we we're probably not going to see him until September at the earliest. But if you do go ahead and trade Iglesias, maybe maybe throw him into the deep end and see if he can swim. I don't know. I, I don't know the kid's constitution. You know, they, they know better than I do. But I'd be curious. You know, uh, Ryan Valade's really picked it up at AAA. I want to see more playing time. And, of course, you knew that was coming from uh, Elijeros Montero. Sean Bouchard is really interesting. Right? And so there, there's a few of these guys that I'd like to see get some opportunities here. Really curious to see what Bill Schmidt does with his first trade deadline that won't be a circus. 
Because really, last year was just nonsense. The whole thing was nonsense. Everything was a circus. Everything was, you know, the dialed up to an 11. And, you know, everything was just super, super over the top. And I get all of that. I really, really do. But I think it was almost an impossible job for anybody to come in right after Nolan Arenado had been traded. Everyone's mad at the team. We've got all these expiring contracts, but they're not just expiring contracts. They're also players that people love. So you're in a lose-lose situation. If you trade them, people are going to be mad at you. If you don't trade them, people are going to be mad at you. You know, people are going to claim that you're exactly the same as the last guy. Uh, You know, people are going to be mad that you got the job, even if they couldn't pick you out of a lineup, all this stuff. And so I think it'll be really interesting now with, not that all of that has subsided. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of that out there still, even though I've unplugged from it to, to quite an extent. I do think it'll be interesting to see what Bill Schmidt can do here. Um, and, and if he does, not that I feel like it's necessarily the most important thing. The most important thing is setting the team up for future success. But I do think it'll be interesting to see if you know he assuages some of the fears and concerns that he is going to be just like Jeff Breidich and basically do nothing, right? Uh, he had a pretty active offseason. Not super active, but signed Sensatella and Crone, you know, right away. Uh, then we had the whole big lockout thing, whatever. As soon as that was over, went after Bryant, did that, did the Tapia for Grichik trade, went and got Chad Cool, you know, all the, you know. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does here. And I feel like I've said that several times now, but I do. (laughs) I'm very curious to see if he can set himself apart and kind of define himself as the type of GM. And it's early still in his career at the helm of the ship, as it were. But uh, let's watch and find out. So thank you all for listening in. Uh, Let me know. Like, Look, I I could dive deeper into game two and three if you want. Again, I really thought game one was the microcosm of the whole season. And then in two and three, you just don't. You just don't hit enough, and in, in game three, you don't hit enough, and game two, you don't pitch enough, and the bullpen lets you down, and that's that's just where they're at right now. When one thing maybe starts to work, everything else betrays them, but none of it matters when you make the mistakes. Again, I, I feel like a football analyst trying to come on here and break down like the offensive line, the defensive line, the quarterback, uh, the linebackers, the defensive ends, all that stuff. And it's like, oh, but why did they lose the football game? Well, they gave up 21 points in special teams. So, (laughs) you know, three touchdowns on kick returns. So they lost. Because you can't win that way. That's the bottom line. That's, that's, I guess, the whole point of that, that whole obnoxious analogy. Is to say, you can't win baseball games when you're committing three errors that lead directly to eight runs, and when that's not even the first or second or third time this season you've done that. Can't win at this level. Renders the rest of the stuff, unfortunately, meaningless. Not for each individual, and I'll continue to break it all down from those standpoints, and and it's going to be a lot of the rest of the season these podcasts are going to start being about individual players and what they're doing and what they are going to provide for the future and uh, whether they're going to be a rocky or not or whatever it's going to be 
you know, and obviously we'll we'll be doing some of the game breakdowns, and I'm sure there'll be individual games that'll be really fun to talk about. But at the end of the day, like I can only come to you so many times and and tell you like why they lost when you've also got eyes and a brain, and, <laughs> and it's like they you can't play like this. Just brutal to watch. Absolutely brutal. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining me, though. I, I hope uh, I hope I was able to make it better somehow. Uh, <laughs> join me for the Minnesota series over the weekend. It'll be nice to see Chris Bryant. It'll be really nice to see. Just even if he doesn't do it, I just want to just see him out there. <laughs> just remember that he's a Rocky for a second. So thank you all for listening. Hit me up on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. You can. Slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord channel if you're interested. Make sure you're subscribed to all of the podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And you're checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I only ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.